Today's episode is brought to you by Dr. Dish, trusted and innovation solution basketball training machines. Check out their revolutionary skill building program at drdishbasketball.com. Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano. Today's guest, Cody Topper, joins the show. We talk hoops, life. Let's dive right in with my man, Cody. Uh, welcome to Fedeways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano, here with my man of the hour, Cody Topper. What's up, Cody? What's up, brother? Man, uh, so I just wanted to let you know, like we were saying, I had in the last few days on Coach's Clinic, I have literally gained six months of knowledge more than anything in the last six months, um, not only with your videos, but the the other few guys that you uh, told me to go watch, but yours by far were amazing. Thank you so much for doing that. Me and my good friend, uh, Tony Vesituro, were talking how much knowledge we have gained from you. Well, no, I appreciate that. I mean, for me, it's uh, is, is stuff that I've learned. You know, I've been blessed to get in some rooms with some, some great teachers and some great people. And, uh, you know, so I, I think to, have this opportunity, especially during, you know, a moment in obviously history that is really unprecedented, um, you know, ways that, that, that we can all look to get better uh, from our homes. I'm just watching a, you know, a guy completed a marathon in his backyard, 7,000 up and backs in like an eight meter space, you know, like ways that we can inspire, ways that we can share, ways that we can get better during these difficult times. I think it's really important. Oh man, absolutely. Uh, one of, uh, the things that I wanted to home in on that you were talking about was my favorite thing was bones over cones. And when you said that, I was just like, Whoa, dude, that is, <laughs> that is straight out fire. That is fire because I believe in the same way, like growing up, just like you playing basketball, I, I didn't do drills with cones. Like we never did. It was yeah. like we learned to move on our own, and then we perfected it by playing one-on-one. And I really, really feel that the one-on-one playing is more like – it's like a dinosaur. It's almost like non-existent. Am I right? I mean, too, too often, you know, you, you, you see guys that fall in love with, um, you know, crossing over a cone. And, again, like I said, cones don't hit back. You know, there, there's no flesh right there, you know. And, and so, to me – what ultimately ends up happening, you get a false sense of security, right? It, it, there's something to be said for going body on body, uh, for having coaches that are getting out there and, and helping you, you know, force reads through defense from playing one-on-one where you just learn to have a better awareness of your defender. And then, you know, obviously piggybacking that into conceptual stuff with twos on twos, three on threes, 
you know, even if it's coach de- defense, forcing reads, you know, what, what you get is a feel for the body, a feel for the length of the person, uh, an understanding of, you know, the urgency that's required and the windows closing because decision windows close quickly, the higher levels you move up, you know, so to me, like, that's just, it's everything, right? And that's the, the foundation of our philosophy here at Memphis and the foundation I, really of my DNA when it comes to player development. Yeah, um, I really like that philosophy. I mean, I, Elijah's done countless trainings with guys from yourself, Gannon Baker, uh, Ryan Rizuki, Jordan Lolly, um, Spencer Levy. Like, he's been all over. He's very blessed with, with you guys and, it, and being in this little so-called circle of life with these, um, I would call you guys legends. Tyler Ralph, DJ Sackman, these guys. Um, and I really like the fact when – yeah, I get that they have to do certain drills with the cones to kind of maybe gain that, um, I don't know, I, wanna, I wouldn't want to call it swag. I would call it more like the, the feel of the move or confident with the move. Then Jordan or somebody will step up and guard them. But I really like that bones over cones. Like now with my training with E, like we're in the backyard, obviously doing everything and getting our grind in. I'm like going, okay, we're going to play a one-on-one segment. And what we're going to do now is we're going to play, uh, you know, a no more than three dribbles. Then we're going to play no more than five dribbles. Then we can play a variance. Like you can dribble a hundred times with one possession and I don't care. And that's how we've been playing. And hopefully it, that's homing in more on his skill development. Um, I don't know if that's really working that or if it's just making him tougher because, you know, I'm a bigger person and bumping him and moving him. I think it's a combination of, of everything, right? Um, you know, because ultimately at the end of the day, you have to make reads in the game. So, you know, even you playing one-on-one against him, right? Uh, let's just say like that's the equivalent of maybe like a, a bigger, slower kid. You know, you would guess like at his level playing. And now, you know, he's getting a feel for how to attack a big man on a switch or, you know, something of that nature. So the biggest thing is in our player development, we've got to have an imagination. We've got to have an understanding of how to make everything – uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, relate back to the game, relate back to what's going to happen in the game. And then if we do that at a, at a high level, then, you know, great things happen. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I would agree with that there. Do you think with playing this one on one with the, you know, no more than three dribbles, no more than five dribbles, um, should we home in on specific moves or should we just keep doing it the way we're doing it where it's kind of like, you know, just off the head, wherever we're reacting? Well, to me, the big thing is, you know, you've got to practice the moves, obviously. And I know you guys do a lot of skills, skills drills. You know how I've got them separated, skills, concepts. But at the end of the day, right, like the thing is, when, when, when guys get in the moment, they've got the ball in their hand, they've got to feel the game, they've got to own the game, and they've got to really just kind of go with their instincts. So scripting out moves, I think um, – Really, of course, there's time, a time and place like, hey, we've got to, you know, double tap, cross, punch, sidestep, whatever. Right. Right. You know, you've got to learn those things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what you can execute in a live game. Like, that's the only thing that matters. And you can't master everything. You just can't. So you're going to resort and you're going to fall back to, you know, what you're organically comfortable with. Right. So uh, to me, you kind of just layer and work things up. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the, the players have to feel natural about what they do. And so that's why, you know, I don't like uh, scripting too much stuff 
specifically when we're working on read work or, you know, one-on-ones, things like that. Like it's gotta be, it's gotta be organic. It's gotta happen naturally um, because that's how it really gets incorporated into your game. Because when you're just doing a drill and we're working on, you know, I don't know, like just to take through the legs crossover, for instance, right? right. Well, the first look is through the legs, go by the guy. Right. Right. And you can even take it back. Like first look is, Hey, if falls in my right hand, it's right hand hesitation, try to go right. So now it's hesitation, guy slides over. So now that's why I'm going through my legs. You know what I mean? So that I can go through my legs now and go left, right? Then, well, then the next iteration is, okay, so what happens when I go hesitation, cut off through the legs, double cut off? Now I got to have the cross back. So we've got to work on that stuff and, and kind of and build how, to, how it can become natural. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, if it's going to be incorporated into the game, it has to be unprompted, unscripted, and completely based on feel. Okay. Now with you uh, just talking about those uh, combinations, right? Where you do the hezzy, then you go the hezzy between the legs, the hezzy between the legs, cross back. That obviously goes with into my next segment I wanted to talk to you about, which a lot of my parents don't really home in on. And people that are with the youth program to the high school is your daily vitamins. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the daily vitamins are huge, right? And and you and you can put together your you know your, a specific routine for each guy, right? You've also heard my term brush the teeth, right? So right. Daily vitamins are, are just basically like you know it's similar to brushing your teeth. Something you have you're going to do every day, a routine that's part of your DNA. Um, I like the term calibration, right? Like because essentially what you're doing is you're calibrating yourself for everything that's to come for the competition that's to that's you know that's going to follow. So, you know, uh, uh, daily vitamins can happen before practice, you know, can happen in the morning, um, you know, things of that nature, vitamins and brushing your teeth. And like, to me, like the big thing is what those are doing is those are kind of recentering you. It's kind of like waking your muscles up, right? You know, people always talk about, Hey, like, you know, part of the reason now, like, uh, there's a lot of circuit training, but like total body training, not as much, Hey, like this is arms day, this is legs day or whatever. Right. Uh, specifically as it pertains to basketball, is, is kind of because you've just got to, got to wake up your muscles on a, on a regular basis, all of them, right? You don't want to let any go dormant on you. Right. And so it's the same thing with your game, right? Because if you sleep on your reps, your game will go dormant. And I think that's a huge thing, right? You never want your game to go into hibernation. You've Ooh. always got to stay on the edge of what you're doing. Ooh-hoo. Oh, man, that was dope. <laughs> that's off the cuff, man. Dude, I never that- said that before. <laughs> That was I'm kind fire. of geeked about that one too, man. <laughs> you even had to go. Damn, that was actually really good. <laughs> oh man, this is fun. Oh man, I I love that. I'm marking that down, man. I love that. Oh, you got to send me that sound bite too. I like the sound. That's you got to send oh, that one to me separate. I will. Okay, I'm, I'm taking a note. Send. <laughs> Oh man, I love that sound bite. That was awesome. Oh, oh my gosh, good. that was great. Now, with with the daily vitamins, you know, I I noticed like with Elijah, um our our daily vitamins was um we're going to do our ladder drills, you know, to get our feet, you know, we we want we got to have good feet, good footwork. Um For sure. he, yeah. he's he's amazing at the ladder, man. I mean, when he first started a couple years ago, he was horrible. Now he's really really well at that. Um, so that was one of our daily vitamins. The other daily vitamin was our, um, we always did form shooting. And at first, yeah, yeah. at first at nine years old, it was tough. 
at 11, at 10 and 11, it was still kind of tw- uh, tough. Now being 13, he already knows what I want. So he goes out there yes. and, and he gets in that rhythm shooting very close, goes a, a couple steps back. very and, and he's very much a perfectionist. He wants everything yeah. to be all net. So if it isn't net, he's getting mad at himself. He's cussing at himself. He kicks the ball maybe. And I'm like, dude, relax. It's just form shooting, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not all net. I'm like, oh, I get that. He's, he's got to be in that. Like you said, it's got to be a rhythm thing. You know, I guess he's got to feel that rhythm. And once he feels that rhythm, oh, man, it, it gets dangerous sometimes when he's on the court. It's like when when he's on that rhythm, it's like, oh, Night, night, guys. I mean, he's maybe the smartest, uh, smallest guy on the court, but he's going to give you 17 or 27 in one game. Well, I'll tell you, you know, what, what you – the fact that he's bought into that process right right now, he's mentally conditioned that, like, for his game to be at top level, he knows he has to have that, that kind of that feel and that rhythm. And that, to me, is huge because, you know, you, you're always trying to go in and, and get yourself – and. We've all, you know, probably experienced at different levels, different times, that feeling of like being in the zone, you know what I mean? In the zone where the basket seems huge. You just feel like you're at peace uh, and you feel like the shots are coming easy organically. And, you know, you just feel like everything's going to go in. And so we're always we're always constantly trying to recreate that. Right. The feeling on your hands, the smell in the gym, you know what I mean? The regulation of your heart rate, things of that nature. And, um, you know, and, and when you get in, and buy into a routine, uh, what you do is you're trying to uh, help your body, help your mind find that level of comfort in the game. Because then once you build up and you go, your, go to a practice, you go to your drills, you go to, you know, you go to the game. Like, that's why I always used to take the Ray Allen bus uh, over to the gym. You know, my, the guys, with, you know, with Phoenix, we called it the Ray Allen bus. Memphis, same thing. There's a group of guys that go over early. We do the shooting routine. We basically are doing our vitamins, our brush work, brush the teeth work. And, um, you know, those guys now, like they, they're to an extent, like they're dependent on that. Like they're really, they, they're OCD about it because they want to feel the rhythm. They want they want to have that, that good feeling before, you know, before the tip happens. Right. So they're not working their way into it uh, during the game. And that's, I think what we're all uh, in pursuit of. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Man, I'm using that. I'm using another dime that you just dropped. The Ray Allen bus. I mean, I, it's, yeah, it's two hours before the game, and I'm telling E, all right, man, get in your rhythm shooting. Let's go, dribble, dribble, dribble. We got a we got a yes. 15 minute drive before the game. We got to get there a half hour before the game. Talk with players. Like I'm gonna start using that. Hey, dude, get on the Ray yes. Allen bus. The Ray Allen bus. That's what it's all about. Um, you know, obviously Ray Allen was famous for being maniacal and getting to the gym early. I mean, at the NBA level, what happens when you leave the hotel, you've got the early bus and then you've got the regular bus, right? So there's two buses. But the Ray Allen bus is before that. Uh, Ray Allen used to take a taxi, you know, before there was Uber, you know, things like that on the road to get to the gym early. You know, there's there's great pictures and video of him in there, you know, with just the janitors, you know, as everybody's trying to get ready for the game. Um, You know, you haven't been on the Ray Allen bus until you've, you know, been – Getting, getting loose, getting warm, and, and dodging, you know, the cheerleaders trying to practice their routines at half court, right? That's when you know you're early. And so, um, you know, I think that's, uh, that's a great example that he's set for, you know, for players everywhere. And there's no coincidence why he was, uh, why he was so, so good at what he was good at. Right. Now, let me ask you this. A, a lot of trainers, a lot of people say, hey, man, just give me 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day. But you're talking about the Ray Allen bus then. Like, 
Is there such thing then as overtraining? Yes, great question. And the answer is there absolutely is. Okay. Uh, to me, there's always and still is a law of diminishing returns. So you're going to reach a point in time where every, every rep you take after a certain level, a certain point, uh, you're actually going to detract, right? You're probably going to form bad habits. Usually that's yeah. when fatigue sets in right now. You want to push yourself to fatigue and beyond. But once you hit a, a level where now the, the return that we're getting is, is not just helping us, you know, pushing us into a, into a place of being in tremendous shape. It's actually taking away from our game. That's when injuries happen. That's when overtraining happens. And that's when you can build bad habits right now. With that being said, right, so, you know, we've got a guy on our team, kid, Boogie Ellis, right? So, Boogie. SD uh, kid. On, yes, SD kid, exactly. So, Boogie would come in, like, on game days, and he'd want to brush his teeth early in the morning, like, before class. So, he'd brush his teeth before class. Then we have shoot around. You know, he'd st- he'd, he'd, he's one of the first guys on the court to shoot around, stays a little bit after the shoot around. Then he's on the Ray Allen bus. Then he does the warm-up before the game with me. Uh, you know, we've got we're separated into three groups because we do an NBA style warm up in the pregame starting at 100 minutes before the game. So he did the Ray Allen bus. He did the warm up with me and then he'll stay here. Then he'll do the second warm up with Mike. Sometimes we got to tell him we got to pull him out because we're like, man, we can't have you be tired for the game. Like you're going to be fatigued before we even tip this thing off. Right. You know, and if you look back on those game days, I mean, this dude's like putting his shoes on, lacing them up, tying them. I mean, a, a, you know, four or five separate times. Right. And so it's like, that's too too much, too much. Now, also, it's the understanding between in-season and off-season, right? And, uh, and finding that, that happy medium, right? You know, and I think it's important, too, to understand your role with the team because, you know, in the NBA level, if you're out of the rotation, the Ray Allen bus is not optional. It's mandatory. And that's not just going to be a, a, a light workout, a warm-up. We're not warming you up. We're working you out. We are trying to fatigue you uh, because our goal – is to make sure that players all the way up and down the roster, one through 15, are in shape and ready to play 30 minutes. So, you know, we actually use wearable technology in the NBA, uh, you know, where we can monitor things like heart rate, distance covered, high-speed accelerations, decelerations, vertical jumps, max verts, things of that nature. And so now, you know, you can get a real good assessment on, you know, what, what's a, you know, what was a guy's load uh, what was his mechanical load? What was his perceived load? What was his chronic load? And then you can say, hey, like, okay, you know, w- certain guys w- would stay after after games, right? If you didn't hit your heart rate level and your and your your load requirements, then you got to hit the treadmill before you go home after the game. So, you know, it's important that there's a there's a line. You know, I'm telling you, a lot of guys don't touch it, and a lot of guys think that they're that they're doing a lot of work, and they're really not. But then there are certain guys who take it too far. You got to find that. Sweet spot. You got to operate outside your comfort zone, but inside that sweet spot. Okay. Let me ask you this. And as a college student and as an adult, young adults, you know, dealing with the NBA and how young most of the players are now, they could kind of find that sweet spot. Yes. Now, someone like myself, uh, a father, a coach, um, a mentor, how do you find that fine balance of if they are over fatigued or training too much as you can say well i think that what you'll have to start to look for and recognize is the sloppiness in the reps i mean typically fatigued legs are going to lead to short misses right uh you know if you've got a guy who typically doesn't have a technical issue causing him to miss right left you know when things start start dragging 
Uh, guys start pushing through. They start trying to throw instead of shoot. You're going to see more left-right misses. Um, and I think so it's important to kind of acknowledge that. The other thing that I do with my workouts is I, going into the workout, um, I, put, uh, I put time on the clock and run it down. Right. When we hit triple zeros, right, we're not, we're not staying in there. Like we're not going to continue to hammer, uh, you, know, we, you know, hammer a dead horse here. We don't want to beat a dead horse, right? Like, you know, we're going to come back tomorrow. Right. Because there will be times where like, listen, we practice a new skill, a new concept or whatever it is. We're not going to master it today. We're not going to master it tomorrow. What we're going to do is we're just going to pound the stone, pound the stone, pound the stone. Right. So when our certain segment is up, we go on to the next thing. We don't want to get stuck on too many things and we don't want to go over our allotted time. For like brushing the teeth, daily vitamins. Right. Like I always throw 30 minutes on the clock. Boom, we go. After we're dynamically warm, loose with a good sweat. Right. Uh, for like an off season workout. I need 45 minutes. And I'm going to have you, I'm going to have you, you know, I'm going to have you with a good sweat. I'm going to have you exhausted. I'm going to have you, you know, getting better and all those types of things. So we don't have to be in there for an hour and a half. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, on same thing on reps workouts, right? 45 minutes is a good, is a good sweet spot after getting loose, after getting warm. And I mean, I think that, that those, those are pretty good caveats right there because in the off season, what you can do is add double days, right? So now, you know, you, we're not going an hour and a half, especially just like an individual or like a two-man workout, right? Now, if you, if you up it now, let's say we add and we get to five to six guys, right? Now we got six guys. Well, now I'm probably going to look to put, you know, maybe 120 on the clock, right? We'll get a, get a warm-up, dynamic warm-up. And now because you've got longer time in line, you know, when you go to the back of the line, you know, whatever, whoever's going and taking the rep ahead of you, even if it's a combo drill, a combo rep, if it's a six-man workout, you know, you're usually going to be one to two deep in the back of the line. So you get a little bit extra rest uh, so we can extend that type of a session. Now, typically that last 20 minutes is still going to be rep work, um, you know, but you're going to get yourself in the, in the meat of it. You're going to start with about 15 minutes of skills drills. You're going to get your, your, your juicy 45 minute, you know, concept, sharpen the sword competition level stuff, and then taper off and close with a lot of high, high volume rep work. But, um, you know, you don't need to be in there all day. Um, if you're doing individual workout, you brush the teeth or you, you hit a, you hit a pretty solid 45 minute, uh, burner, then you can come back later in the evening and you can, you can, uh, you know, do play pickup, you know, depending on what the situation is, play three on three. Okay. Competition evenings, you know, competition Tuesdays, whatever it is. Uh, and then you, you know, you, uh, or you could just come back depending on what it is and just do, you know, water your plants, which is just high volume reps, uh, conscious of the legs, you know, that type of workout you can look to try to, Hey, you know, we're going to, make 500 shots, game shots, and, and different variations. Okay. Woo, man, I like that. So um, what I do, and, and I don't know if it's right or wrong. So There is no right or wrong. You know what I mean? That's the beauty of basketball. We don't operate in absolutes. You know what I mean? Right. So okay. that's, that's what I love about it. Yeah. So like this morning, my son and I, uh, we went on a mile and a half jog. So like we ran and jogged, um, you know, ladies got home. Elijah and I went back out and we went for another mile and a half, but that mile and a half, what we did was we sprint telephone pole to telephone pole. So we sprint, yeah. we walk to the next one, we sprint, we walk to the next one, we sprint. We did that for a mile and a half again. Yeah. So that was a workout yeah. there. Then we go and of course, like I said, he's got to get on that ladder. Um, I truly believe that that, that helps him with his footwork and his speed. We do the ladder for about 10, 15 minutes. Um, he weight trained for another 35 minutes in core. That was it. So that workout is done. Um, you know, he's hanging out now. He gets to, 
you know, read his books and do what he has to do since we're at this COVID-19 stay-at-home stuff. But later on this evening, this is how my workouts go for him. So we do a, you know, obviously take our daily vitamins with me. We do 15 minutes of basic ball handling I like to do. I don't do anything crazy. I, I love to keep the game simple. I think um, I told I tell him all the time, you can have a lot of sauce and flair, but guess what? If you got a, a million dollar move with a, you know, what is it? Uh, $2 finish. $2 finish. What, what points did we get? You didn't get yeah, nothing. None. So for me, it's, yeah. I keep it super basic. I keep it very John Stockton like, um, keep it basic home in on that for 15 minutes, get a nice sweat. And then we get up between 250, 300 shots on our Dr. Dish gun, high level, obviously get warm, get a nice sweat. After that's done, we just play one-on-one for about 40 minutes and we're done. Yes. Yes. So here's, so here's the thing, right? Like, Obviously, you know, you don't have a weight training staff. You don't have a medical staff. You don't. So you're that you're doing the whole gauntlet right now <laughs> with our yeah. guys, which 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 is which is what what you have to do, you know, at home. Yeah. Um, like so from from our standpoint, right, player development is a piece. And so you touched on player development. You touched on strength training. You touched on, uh, you know, prehab, like injury prevention, corrective stuff. Ladder drills a lot of times can be seen as like corrective exercises and whatnot. So like you touched on the, on the whole shebang. And that's why I mentioned, you know, 45 minutes on us on the, on the, on the court, you know, uh, plus like a 15 minute dynamic workout. Well, that doesn't include the fact that obviously we have a, we have a weight training element. So you're exactly right. Right. And all that goes into the load because if we just said, Hey, 45 minute workout in the morning and a 45 minute workout at night, like on the court, Right. Well, man, you still going to have something left in the tank. That's not going to be there's going to be no overtraining there. The overtraining is going to be when you incorporate all that, when you incorporate that stuff with all the other stuff at, at, in within the context of the whole. Right. Right. And you, you can't you have to lock in on all these various different things like you've got to get you know, you've got to get in the weight room. You've got to have a great strength training plan. You've got to have a, you know, a, a great diet you know, yeah. plan. You've got to have a nutrition plan. You've got to understand that. I know. In your family, that's incredibly important. And, and yes. you've got to, um, you know, you've got to, to, to get loose in the appropriate way with a dynamic warm up to prevent injury, right? And then, of course, you've got to, uh, you know, get out there and, and, and take care of it. So the way I view uh, a day is, uh, and let's just say during the, during the season, right? Okay. The way I view a day during the season is like a five-star meal at like a nice, whatever your favorite steakhouse, expensive meal, right? Right. And each course that you get, right, if you go to one of these meals, you're going to have an appetizer, maybe a soup and a salad. You know, you're going to have a nice, we'll just say it's a steak and potato. Sorry for those vegans out there. Closed with a nice dessert, you know what I mean? Maybe it's some creme brulee and a little coffee, you know, and you get out of there and you're ready for a heck of a night's sleep because you're full and you just, you know, you, you but the big thing is, Right. What 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 you don't want to do is you don't want to overfill up because what's the main course? Uh, the main the main course. Go ahead. The steak. Yeah. The steak and like your steak, right? Like you go to a steakhouse to get a steak. Like that's your main course. You know what I mean? Even though we could we can sit here and debate how much we love the salad and this and that. How many times have you been to a fancy restaurant filled up on the salad and the appetizers? Never. And now your your main meal comes and you're like, uh, I'm full. Never. Never for you. But it happens for me. You know what I mean? My eyes get big early and I'm like, I got to have, I'm going to eat the salad. I'm going to eat the appetizers. I'm also going to get the lobster bisque. 
And now all of a sudden, oh yeah, well, I ordered the 20 ounce porterhouse. That thing shows up and I wish I had a petite filet. So I'm, I get a doggy bag, you know what I mean? I'm taking home and I'm going to eat it the next day. Right. right. And um, so one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to fill up on the appetizers in the soup. So like, you know, your weight training, your, uh, you know, your, your skill development, right. All that stuff. That's appetizer soup, salad, your post-practice work is your dessert, but your practice, your practice with your coaches within your team is your main course. That's your meat and potatoes. That's where you got to sink in your teeth, right? That's when you have to be at your best. So no matter what you do, you've got to do these other things. We've got to be mindful. You don't want to fill up on appetizers, right? Before your practice. And you also don't want to save room for dessert because when you are in the practice, you've got to give everything that you've got in your tank. So if you dog it at practice to wait to do your after practice routine, because that's personalized skill development right. stuff, which a lot of guys do after practice, get their shots up. Well, then what you did was you cost your team something because you left something in the tank at practice, which is when you need to let it all out. Ooh. Right. So Ooh. that is how I view the whole of skill development. It's just a, it's a five-star meal and you've got to portion appropriately. Right. And I know how you guys do the same thing too. You know what I mean? Like with, um, you know, you and your wife and, and, and like, you know, you guys are great cooks over there and you guys plan out meals and portion things out appropriate and do all this different stuff. Well, it's the same thing that you've got to do with, uh, with your development plan. Wow. I love that, man. You just dropped a crazy dime with the standards. What are your standards? And I, I thought that was yeah. huge. Can you elaborate on that? Goals and yeah, 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 for sure. So, uh, and, and really the guy who enlightened me on this whole thing is, uh, a buddy of mine, Justin Wetzel, actually coached me in the CBA and then worked for the Milwaukee Bucks, right? And it's the thing where you've got to connect your goals with your habits, yes. right? So there are, there are goals and there are standards. Your standards are the pathway to help you meet your goals. So you set the goal, you know, you want to shoot X amount from the three-point line or whatever. Well, what's the standard that's going to lead you there? Is it getting an extra however many shots up after practice? Is it, you know, is it some drill that's going to help you you know, lay that foundation that's going to be the pathway to, to you achieving that goal. And to me, that's everything when it comes to how we are mapping out, um, you know, our player development plans, how we are mapping out and helping our guys reach and achieve their potential or their goals is setting the standards to match. And, and that comes down to individualized meetings. That comes down to, you know, talking with guys, you know, because not everybody's going to be happy with their role right now. Well, if you want to expand your role, right, you know, let's set a goal that we think is achievable and then let's accompany that with a standard that's going to help us get there. And now if you, if you fail to meet the standard and the performance slips and you don't achieve the goal, you'll know why. Right. Right. And now you've got some accountability behind it and that's what you've got to do. I mean, that's, we're all striving. I mean, of course, everybody wants to be the star player and things of that nature. Um, in, the, in the NBA, 98% of the players are role players. Obviously they're well, well paid to do it, right. but you know, it takes a skill to be able to fill your role, like, because it takes a mentality to uh, be able to fill your role, uh, especially if it's a role that maybe it's, that's not your ideal role. Right. And um, to me, like, that's a big thing though, is that while you're in the midst of growing your role, you've still got to fill your role. Yes. And another thing I, I love that you, you, uh, you hit on, um, on this coach's clinic, which like I said, by far was, I love it. Um, and I want my listeners to understand this for not only themselves, if they're younger players or their parents, is not to be a robot. I tell my my kids all the time on our teams, 
don't be a robot. Don't be a robot. Can you elaborate on the nuts and bolts of not being the robot? Yeah, to me, you know, robots get in and, and, and it's essentially a, a situation where um, the coach has maybe given you a play or something of that nature and you get in and it's like, okay, pass here, run here, do this, do that. But the game is so organic. The game is not a science, right? The game is an art, you know, it's uh, this isn't a math or a science, right? So there's so much beauty behind the fact that you're allowed to be creative and imaginative and, and pour all those things onto the floor. But with that being said, right, if the defense takes away your first option and you're a robot, you're not going to have an understanding of like, well, what now, you know? And so you're going to be out there on an Island in a truly organic game, basketball and soccer are two of the most free flowing sports in the world. And you're not going to have a solution. And to me, that's what it's all about is we've got to create players, not robots uh, and don't play the play, make a play. Oh yeah. I absolutely love that. Um, What about, passing and the art of passing like i understand i used to go in my backyard at a big old wall i would just throw the ball against the wall and learn because i wanted to be the no look pass behind the back i wanted to to throw the 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 um gosh uh, rod strickland from you know uh three lengths of the court like one pound dribble Mm -hmm. um you know one-handed pass like I wanted to be that guy that threw the nice assist and for some reason it's like a lost art like kids don't work on passing and they need to realize how important passing is passing to me is is really the key to the game because with when you have the ball in your hands you're going to attract attention and if you get by your guy, which to me, that's the easiest part of the game is, is to get by your guy. Um, once you get by your guy, uh, you know, now what happens is another guy has to rotate. And so, you know, now two are on the ball. And so now the decision is everything, right? If he's, if he's there on time, uh, you know, you've got to find that next solution, right? And then, of course, there's a third defender rotating down somewhere. So you've got to be able to make the right decision in that. But you've got to be able at the high levels – You've got to be able to pa- be able to pass off the bounce with both yes. hands, hooks, bounces, throwbacks, over the heads, euro step passes. People talk about don't jump to pass. I say don't jump unless you have a solution. But you know, balanced jump passing, right, where you're not getting charges, uh, but um, you know, ways to, to to create openings. And I mean, you know, James Harden does that a lot, and so we actually practice that here. But you know, you've got to uh, you got to work on all these things if you're going to perfect it. And I think too often in our player development workouts, we don't throw enough passes. And that's something that's huge to me is let's throw passes. Right. And, and that's a, that's a funny thing that you said, um, jumping in the air. And that was one of the key things that I really enjoyed that you brought to our coaches attentions um, in the coaches clinic was because I was that yeah. guy that would drive and hunt the paint and I'd be in the air and I was throwing kickouts to the three point, I was throwing wraparound passes around bigs in the air for my, you know, guy at the low block partner, lay it up, jam it home. And I was like, man, I was always throwing the ball in the air, but I always realized, and yes, there are, there were times that I did turn it over in the air. Um, but I, a lot of my passes were from the air off of two feet, one feet, whatever. And I was really excited when you home in on that because I had thought, 
now being a coach, I've always heard that. Don't, don't leave your feet and throw a pass. And I was like, damn, was I really playing the game wrong? But in reality, they're wrong. No, I mean, well, that's what it is. I mean, the game happens, right? Again, there's no, uh, there's no black and white. So, you know, in the game, when you really watch it, right, we can say all we want, don't leave your feet to pass. But a lot of times people are leaving their feet to pass. And a lot of really good passers are doing it. And, well, what's the difference between them and the bad passers? Well, the good passers leave their feet to create a window so they have a solution, right? So what you don't want to do is leave your feet without a solution. Because if you understand that by leaving your feet, you can create a passing window and get off the ball to an open teammate and things of that nature. Well, now what you just need is just that little boom, that vertical boost, and now you can pass it. But, you know, practicing it is just kind of the next wave. I think that's the progressive element of passing. You know what I mean? Is, is practicing things that are, are uncomfortable or things that in the past would be, you know, completely out of this world. Right. Like people will say, like people, people will call me an idiot right now, you know, jump to pass. Don't ever teach anybody to jump to pass. Okay. But problem is if you don't teach it and practice it and they do it, they're going to be more likely to turn the ball over and get a charge. So it's like, how can we control it? And how can we use it as a weapon for us? The first guy I learned it from, to be honest with you, was James Harden, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out there in one of my early workouts, uh, you know, with the Rockets, and it's James Harden and Patrick Beverly in a drill. And I've got a ball, and I'm guarding James. And so, you know, James, I basically, if James shoots it, I pass to Pat. If James passed to Pat, then um, then I'm going to pass to James, right? He's going to relocate, and we're going to do a second right. action. And so, you know, James is coming down, and he does, like, this zero step, and he, like, jumps in the air, and I think he's shooting it. So I throw it to, to Pat Bev. But at the same time as I throw it to Pat Bev, he was working on like a Euro step jump last minute pass, which you'd be like, oh, man, what is he doing? Well, he he's actually has an imagination. That's what he does in the game. He practices these things in practice, you know, things like drawing fouls, things like throwing jump passes. And so here I go. I, you know, I, you know, I throw the ball to him and Pat throws the ball to him. Pat gets hit with two balls. <laughs> I think the guys are going to hate me forever. And I realize, oh, wow, this is, uh, this is very, very, uh, interesting concept and the more i just sat back and watched um you know the more i just realized that you know this is stuff that we can really hone in on and and try to learn now can it be a learned skill right or you know what i mean a learned skill or are you born with it i mean well you know we're, we're, we're there's no love lost from practicing it regardless because people say the same thing about shooters are they made or are they born and it's probably somewhere a combination of the two right no i love that because I'm going to start homing in on the jump pass because I did it a lot. And as of lately being a coach, I didn't teach it because I figured it was something wrong that I was doing in my game. So I didn't want to do a disservice to kids. And that yeah. you brought it yeah, up. Yeah. I was like, damn dude, I was doing that in the nineties. So yeah, I'm going to teach it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Validation right there. It's yeah. Now, uh, I, I know you're busy and I, I you know, I, I have to home in on this um, before I let you go. We're going to talk about my boy, Gannon Baker. I had him on the show this past yeah. week and, you know, he is just a phenomenal guy. He is truly, truly a preacher when it comes to talking about the game and skill level and success. Um, the mental mindset of, of a player. Um, how, how did you and Gannon meet in, in, and create this friendship that you guys have. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just finished my uh, playing career, and I knew I wanted to be a coach, so I'd spent my last season playing, like, working on learning the video the video breakdown software and, like, all, the, you know, all this type of stuff. And so I, uh, I'm i trying to get these interviews, right? And, you know, I'm not getting a sniff or anything like that. I'm like, man, what do I do? And, I'm, and, and I hear about this coaching clinic being put on by Gannon Baker. I had gone to five-star basketball camps back in the day. Obviously, he was very well known from that. And he built up his, you know, doing his, you know, 25 ways to destroy your, your defender videos, you know, on the streets at the parks of Hampton Roads, Virginia. So, like, to me, um, I was like, wow, this looks really interesting. So – I told my wife I wanted to go. I uh, signed up and, uh, you know, I said, we will treat this as a vacation. So we like, we're going to go on vacation to Las Vegas, go see some shows. I invited my, uh, I invited my brother um, and his wife as well. And so he brought his wife and, you know, we thought we were going to, you know, see some Cirque du Soleil shows and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And before I know it, uh, you know, I'm in the gym with Gannon and just time is flying by and I'm missing all the Cirque du Soleil shows. I'm missing the fancy dinners. <laughs> right. And I'm, I spend the, basically the entire weekend, you know, with Gannon out there and he's getting me hyped up about teaching and talking about new stuff. And, you know, I was in the coaches clinic sitting there taking notes and then, you know, I just started jumping in the drills and, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it was a friendship that formed quickly. And then, you know, not long after that, like we just vibed, we kept in touch and then Elevate approached him about starting their basketball program. And that's when he approached me about moving to Florida and, and kind of the rest is history. And that was, you know, ki- that's what kickstarted my career in, in development and coaching. Wow. Yeah, he, he's a truly, uh, he's a, he's been a blessing to myself and Elijah as well. Uh, you know, he, he talked today um, about, less than 5% of kids get division one scholarships. And if you're under six foot um, and of another color, it's less than 1%. And um, I love the fact that he was talking about parents need to be truthful to their children about it. Um, Can you home in on that? Because like Elijah, like my, my dad, I'll tell you what, my dad was six, five, three twenty. My dad was a huge man. Well, guess yeah. what? I'm 5'11". <laughs> My son, Elijah, is not going to be, but maybe with his mom being 5'3", if I'm lucky, he's 6'0". If, if I'm lucky, he's 6'2". Um, but I, I need to tell him those facts. Like, for me, I tell him, the reason why you play ball and you love it, I, I love that the fact that you're playing, is, yeah. but I want to keep you out of yeah. trouble. I want you to stay on the right path and not veer left. I'm not even worried about uh, college. If you play college, yeah. that's a bonus, brother. That's it. Can you can you home in on this so that kids don't and parents don't? Yeah, I mean the big thing the wrong is, idea to their children. You, know, you hit the nail on the head, right? Five percent. I think it's even like you know the actual division one is probably even less than that. You know, and then the chance of going on to play professionally afterwards. Oh and, man. And everybody, you know, you see it on TV and, and, and it's not as seen on TV. That's not how it works. Right. So it's incredibly difficult. And, and the, you know, people talk about, I mean, it's division one or bust. I mean, division two, some really, really talented basketball players. Division three, let's talk about Duncan Robinson who played at Williams College. Right. So he didn't have any division one offers. He goes to Williams 
after, you know, playing at Williams. Now he transfers to Michigan and now he's starts for the Miami heat and he's one top five in the NBA and three pointers made. So if you're good, you can play, they'll find you, right? If you get overly desperate for the exposure it tends to work against you. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to chase that because what you want to do is chase development, chase a process of improvement. Don't, don't chase, you know, don't chase, uh, you know, the, the scholarship, right? Like chase, chase your best self. Like, that's the thing. Like I want to chase, that's what I want to do every day. I want right. to chase the best version of myself. Right. And, and uh, you know, can, you know, is it an unwinnable, unwinnable race? Probably an un- unwinnable race. Right. But that's the chase. It's the beautiful chase. You know what I mean? Like that's what it is because in doing that, a lot of great things happen along the way. Right. But if you're trying to like focus on some sort of, end result or this or that then ultimately what's going to end up happening is you're going to you're not going to be focused where you're at you're not going to be happy right and you're probably not going to maximize what you can be and so to me that's a huge element behind it um as a kid do everything you can do to improve enjoy the game give it your best i think you learn so much through basketball that even if you don't get a scholarship you don't get to the next level um but i think that these are things that are going to help you in whatever you know, walk of life you choose, right? Whatever industry, whatever business, right? Titans of industry. There's a lot that, that were ex-athletes uh, and, and that's because they learn these valuable self-motivation skills, right? You got to be on the self-motivated grind. And they, they learned, you know, how to go the extra mile, how to push themselves outside the comfort zone, how to be creative uh, and, and things of that nature. And so, you know, to me, that's huge. And you know, people don't say like, that's, that's the other thing, because you can look at man, like, no, this dude's not going to, you know, kill my dreams or all this stuff. That's not the intention is not to do that at all. Right. And, and the intention is to understand that the odds are slim. Now, can I be that one in a million? That is what I'm striving to do, but how do I become that one in a million or whatever one in however, you know, many get to play college basketball or whatever, get a scholarship. How do I become that? I become that by every single day, pounding the stone, pound it, pound it, pound it, chase that best version of myself. Don't judge myself on somebody else's scale, right? Chase that best version of what I can be. And then ultimately at the end of the day, I, what you're going to end up doing, which is the best thing that you can do, you're going to maximizing your potential. That's what you're going to do. You're going to end up getting as close to the best version of yourself as you can be. But if you just chase the scholarship and not the process, then you're, you're, you're going to end up short. I can almost assure, assure, assure that, you know what I mean? Because everybody's got an expiration date on your career and you never know, you know, a basketball career is like a jug of milk, man. There's an expiration date on everybody's career. Some, some of their career is going to end. I'm telling you some, some of their career is going to end, uh, you know, high school at the end of high school, right? Some of their career is going to end at college. Some get to get lucky enough to push that expiration date back, but there's always an expiration date. It's going to end. Right. But you want to be process driven, not result driven. And that's what's going to allow you to extend that expiration date as far into the future as uh, as humanly possible, based upon your physical gifts uh, and your physical limitations, your mental gifts uh, and your mental limitations. Dude, that was that was yeah. great. But you know what? That's the truth. And in the ugly side of it, 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 it's the truth. And that's probably the hardest area for any athlete to hone in on. And make sure you take care of every day because 
it's so easy just to let's get to the meat and potatoes like we talked about, right? Let's get to the meat and potatoes. And, um, right. And, and I think that's the one area, you know, and there's so many, so many more advancements today and things of that nature for kids and parents and players and, and all that stuff uh, that you can do a lot of great things for injury prevention, for, you know, uh, just, just helping you be at your peak physical uh, condition for, you know, the uh, elasticity of your muscles, things of that nature. And, um, but the, having the discipline to take full advantage of that stuff is, it requires, it, it takes a lot. I'll tell you like, for instance, and, and you know, I, Jamal, I didn't, I didn't coach Jamal Crawford when he was, you know, 20 years old or 25 years old. I had him when he was 40, 40 years old last year. I mean, he had to do 800 different things before he could even touch a basketball. Right. But he did that stuff because he knew if he didn't do that stuff, the minute he didn't right. do that stuff, because he was old, you know, that, that his game was going to expire and go bad real quick. And so, you know, to me, that's like an important element of things. And, and uh, it's finding that routine. You know, you can look up on Google and read about J.J. Reddick's maniacal routine. You know, uh, how long did it take him to adopt it? Was he doing it at Duke? Uh, who knows? But now the, you have, there's the free flow of information. You can figure out and find what these guys are doing. And, I mean, if I was a kid, I'd like to think now – with the, with the ease with which we can find information. Like back in the day when we were growing up, man, like finding all this information was incredibly hard. You know, I would have been, I would have been dying to hear about all this stuff. Um, but now, you know, with the internet and all this stuff, you can find this information. Like, I, I'd like to think that I'd be the kid that'd be taking part in all this stuff and doing doing this extra stuff probably would be, to be honest with you. But like, you know, th that's, that, that's the stuff that requires the most discipline.